Welcome to Inside Games, the only gaming news channel brave enough to actually make the content we say we will. Yeah, so when we tell you that this episode is going to cover Blizzard's sudden cancellation of Overwatch 2's promised PvE campaign and Zelda's explosive sales, hey, you can bet it'll actually happen. Whoa, what a concept. All right, on to the news, because we're making a lot of jokes here, uh, which unfortunately, uh, it opens with another trademark Blizzard Entertainment wet fart. God, there's been so many of those. Blizzard, you got to check your underwear. You can't keep firing those out like that. Uh, but yeah, speaking of underwear, Blizzard reached way down into their big bag of broken dreams to find a new way to disappoint everybody by announcing that the PvE campaign in Overwatch 2 is not happening. At least in the way it was originally described. Darn it. On a recent uh, Twitch stream about the game's roadmap for 2023, executive producer Jared Noose said that the development on the PvE portion, quote, hasn't made the progress that we have hoped. He went on to say that, unfortunately, the effort required to pull all of that together into a Blizzard quality experience is huge, and there really is no end in sight or defined kind of end date where we can put that out into the world. Uh, Noose added that, quote, what that means is that we won't be delivering that dedicated hero mode with talent trees, that long-term talent power progression. Those things are just not in our plans anymore. It sucks, man. Anyway. I know. Well, we're trying to we're trying to keep the opinions under a little a little bubble until we get the, the news out there. But uh, yeah, it sucks. The PvE hero mode was something that players had been looking forward to for a long time. And essentially was the biggest feature that justified Overwatch even getting a full sequel in many people's eyes. When Overwatch 2 was announced in 2019, Blizzard promised a PvE hero component that would let players gather squads and play through a narrative-driven multiplayer experience. Sounds awesome. Uh, and each hero would be reworked for PvE with progression systems that would allow players to unlock new talents. That also sounds awesome. Yeah, but... One game that has made the progress, it is hoped, is Honkai Star Rail, and Inside Games is sponsored by it. Inside Games is brought to you by Honkai Star Rail, a new free-to-play game from the makers of Genshin Impact. Honkai Star Rail features a game world awaiting discovery with elements of myth and legend blended into a space sci-fi story. Players are invited to board the Astral Express and experience worlds of strange and fantastical sights where each journey is filled with excitement and adventure. Honkai Star Rail is free to play. It supports cross-platform play. And of course, it's from Hoyoverse, the makers of Genshin Impact, brimming with futuristic space stations and giant interstellar motherships. Many fantastical species and enigmatic powers reside within this universe. Its turn-based gameplay is really easy easy to understand and easy to pick up. It's also mobile friendly, so it allows you to easily play on mobile devices without the need for unnecessary complex actions, letting you easily enjoy HSR wherever you may be. So if you want to try Honkai Star Rail out for free, it's out right now. And of course, there's a new character named Jing Yuan. He's out right now too. Please check the pinned comment and link in our description to download the game. Try him out yourself. Be sure to use the promo code HSRVER. 10 J-Y-T-G-H-C. Now, I know you didn't memorize it, so we put it on the screen, we put it in our description, we put it in the pinned comment, use that code for 50 Stellar Jades, try out Honkai Star Rail right now. Hey, thanks for the support, Honkai Star Rail. Uh, last we left the story, a news acknowledged that players would be disappointed by the news and that it was a tough decision, saying, to be perfectly honest, it's been really difficult for many of us and a lot of folks on the team that pour their heart and soul into that stuff. Uh, the devs did, however, say that narrative story missions and more PvE content are still coming. The game's director, Aaron Keller, said in an interview with GameSpot that, quote, we have a lot coming out this year, and even if you look at season six, it's the biggest season we've ever launched in the history of Overwatch. He went on, we are running a PvE event that season. We have a whole new type of PvE content that we're releasing with our single player hero mastery mission. So I hope that players can see that we are still committed to PvE and we are doing more with the story than we've ever done before. We're just doing it in a different way 
than what we originally talked about. <laughs> well, okay. I, uh, oh, I feel so much better now. Okay, great. Oh, man. As you might imagine, people on the internet ain't really buying it. Obviously, we're not even. Uh, knives are out in the YouTube comments section with NC Badrock describing this as a true Overwatch 2 moment because they were, quote, feeling my excitement evaporate in real time. ASPX summarizes the audience's reaction pretty well, writing, the fact y'all managed to disappoint everybody so perfectly is actually wild. <laughs> they really did land it right in the right in the bullseye, didn't they? Yeah, they they really did. So yeah, I was kind of bottling up, not really, but boy, this is disappointing. Holy moly! It really, yeah, it really. I, there is no other way to spin it, Lawrence. Like, like with Redfall, like we played Redfall, whatever's fine, you know, like uh, not not the greatest game in the world. This just sucks. <laughs> this is. It just sucks. At least Redfall was like kind of like what they said. Like it ran like ass and maybe it didn't have like the arcane mark of brilliance on it, but it like the gameplay matched. They straight up said Overwatch 2 would be this premium product and now now it's not. And I, I don't know, I have to admit like I don't have a lot of faith in Blizzard. Uh, it's actually kind of weird to me that they're shipping Diablo 4 in the state that they seem to be, but I'll get to that in a minute because it doesn't seem like a game that Blizzard could make anymore. But yeah, as soon as they announced they were going to ship Overwatch 2 without PvE, it was dead. Like, there was no reason to make it at that point. Because they've already grabbed all the players they're going to get by going free-to-play. Having the premium story content there was supposed to be something that sweetens the pot. But now they've already got all the players they're going to get, probably. That's probably how they think about it. So why spend all the time and money making, like, premium single-player content? I, I get it, but it sucks, and it's frustrating that they couldn't level with us about that from the very beginning. But I also I also kind of understand why that might happen, but I don't want to rant too much, Bruce. Uh, how do you feel about all this? I mean, I agree with you entirely. And also, I think what happened was, and this, is, this kind of seems to me like a case of maybe the executives versus the developers. Now, I don't want to always side with the developers. I know developers do things wrong. People are always like, you guys side with the developers all the time. Regardless, um, I do think the developers were shooting really high when they were talking about Overwatch 2 and they're like, oh, we'll do PvE, we'll do PvP, we'll make it free to play, and then we can uh, the free to play will support the PvE. That not really working because I'm sure the executives are like, well, it may not be making enough money for us to then do the PvE stuff. Uh, and I'm sure it's making a pretty good amount of money <laughs> to be free to play. And they're also and they're probably like, we're not hiring anymore because nobody's hiring right now. Um, they are, they're, they're laying, I think they may, may be laying people off. Blizzard might be laying. So just not a good time to say you're going to do more content in this recessionary year, unfortunately. And, it, uh, Overwatch 2 just seems to be sort of the poster child of that right now. Yeah. You bring up a good point, Bruce. These promises were made almost four years ago, uh, when all the environment was very different and also the executive leadership of Blizzard and the leadership of the Overwatch team were both very different. So... It, like not that you have to not that you have to pity devs who are telling you that they're not going to do what they said they would a long time ago but it's not the same devs and it 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 must suck from their perspective to walk into these promises that were made four years ago and be expected to fulfill them which means that that the people who made the promises may not have even expected them to be fulfilled because they probably figured they were going to be gone by the time the game launched so it's something to think about um also i don't know man i uh yeah, Overwatch 2 was announced way too early, just in the first place. There was no reason to announce it in 2019, because they had a they had a PVE demo of it, but it was it was like a little bit worse than the PVE content that was already in Overwatch. So even at the time, I played it and I was like, this shouldn't have been announced yet. So it makes me feel like even the announcement was another weird hell mary to try to get Overwatch back in people's minds. And it just that's what Overwatch feels like. It's a series of hail mary moves 
that's like, this one's going to save it. Like wild partnerships and like weird stakes with the Overwatch League, like that, that'll implode it. And also, I mean, speaking of like talent transitioning over, they probably had a pretty big drain from the team in the last four years uh, with all the uh, controversies around Blizzard and stuff like that. Certainly the executive, like I said, the executive talent has rotated over. So it's a different team making a different game in a different environment. Uh, it just sucks, man. I I am really curious to see what's going to happen after Diablo 4 ships. Because it, like, it's pretty good. And it's single player. And it doesn't seem like it's packed with monetization. It's It doesn't seem like a game that Blizzard Entertainment would make anymore. So I wonder if all of Vicarious got put onto Diablo 4... And then once that game ships and people can get it on the resumes, people get the F out. So I don't know. Diablo 4 may be the last good game Blizzard Entertainment releases. We'll see. What do you think, Bruce? I, I was going to say, it's just really interesting to see the two teams, the Overwatch team and the Diablo team. Because Di I, I had no faith in Diablo 4. I really didn't. I didn't think that the game would launch or even the beta would be good. And the beta was unbelievable. So I am so impressed. And I, I kind of wish, I honestly wish that the Overwatch team could be given a little bit of a break and be like, hey, we're going to do the PvE stuff, but give us a few years. We'll get to it. And then let Diablo be the cash cow for a second and bring in all their money. And unfortunately, fucking, it's Blizzard and Activision, so they got to make billions of dollars in profit to keep the shareholders happy. Um, and uh, that's, the, that's sort of the issue right now, is that they're trying to balance these two games and these two teams. And ah, I feel so bad for the Overwatch team. Sorry we feel bad, commenters. I know you hate that when we feel bad for people, but we try with that. We try with a little bit of empathy here. Yeah, they're in a rough spot because uh, they're caught between the market reality that premium single player content doesn't earn the kind of money Blizzard wants, especially when your your parent Activision is expecting like another World of Warcraft from you or something like that. So, yeah, it sucks to be in that position. The quote about the the dev team members that actually do care about the story and want to make that content. Oh yeah, I buy. Yeah. I can imagine being a dev at Blizzard and you've worked for three years on a premium Overwatch campaign that has story and characters and all these cool moments. And all of a sudden, just because monetization isn't right, it just gets killed or tossed yeah. out of the roadmap. And that must suck to see three years of your life just evaporate because it's not making free-to-play money. So, yeah. Sorry sorry about the empathy. No, Overwatch devs, lazy, suck, suck asshole. All right, uh, Lawrence, I, have, I, I know we promised uh, another news bit here about... Uh, Zelda. Right. It's in our roadmap. It's in our yeah, our production roadmap. It, it, we, we, we said it. We said we were going to do it. I, I, but but we got to level with you, audience. Uh, the effort required to pull all that together into an inside game's quality experience is huge. And there's just there's just no end in sight. Yeah, this is going to disappoint a lot of people. But uh, what this means is that we will no longer be producing that Zelda story. Uh, it's just it's just not in our plans anymore. Now, to be perfectly honest, it's been really difficult for many of us to cancel the story. Uh, Brian... Gar actually worked really, really hard on it. Look at him, poor guy. We should, Bruce, we should just do the story. We should just do what's right and not make millions of dollars by not making the story and just make the story. Because, hey, anything that makes Sweet Brian sad is not worth it, even if it's dunking on Blizzard. Oh, man, this is, <laughs> this is a joke, guys. You get it? Uh, this is perfect. <laughs> uh, this is It's great news. Zelda Tears of the Kingdom released two phenomenal reviews last week. Nintendo just announced that it's also earned phenomenal sales. Uh, it sold more than 10 million copies in its first three days, making it the fastest selling Zelda game in history. This is so weird, man. Zelda games don't sell like this until Breath no, of the don't. Wild. And so it's, yeah. yeah, this is a crazy high number, by the way. Just for comparison, it took God of War Ragnarok three months to sell 11 million copies. 
An Elden Ring, which also just blew away all other From Software sales. It sold 12 million copies in three weeks. Man, that's crazy. And uh, just a little little humble law brag here. I can't remember where, and I wish I could. <laughs> Somebody actually asked me my prediction for opening weekend sales for Zelda, and I said 10 million. Oh. And I, can't, I wish I could remember where so I could really rub it in, but I Good just tossed you. it out somewhere. Hey, audience, if you can remember where I said that, let me know so I can, <laughs> I can rub it in on the internet. <laughs> Uh, this game has also been universally hailed by critics with a 96 score on Metacritic. Nearly perfect. Uh, not everyone's happy with the new Zelda because it is the internet. Yes, there are some weirdos out there who have tried to review bomb Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom on Metacritic. Which might be a perfect game. Uh, the game's user score on Metacritic is currently at 8.7, which isn't terrible, but it's a noticeable difference from the 96. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's some zeros in there. Some players are mad about Zelda's performance. User Karante69, nice, gave it a zero and complain that the game has muddy textures, poor draw distance, and a slew. Poor draw distance? That's just wrong. That's just wrong. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, a slew of other performance slash visual issues. That sounds like a zero if I've ever heard one. <laughs> User Brad the Dawn called the game, quote, extremely glorified DLC. It's not. Uh, I've seen that a lot in my chat. Uh, with a next-gen price, but definitely not a next-gen game. Mm. Oh my gosh. Yeah, okay. where's the seamless drop-in, drop-out, co-op, cloud sync <laughs> across multiple servers, Bruce? Where Actually, it does have cloud. Well, whatever. And Lord Vacant, it's actually a really good name, knocked the game's performance, saying that it, quote, looks like a Wii U game, and that when they played, it was, quote, rare not to be less than 30 FPS, and with an occasional stuttering as soon as the screen was filled with elements. That's it. The, I want the refund. Uh, recent games like Redfall have gotten knocked for bad performance, but... Why is Tears of the Kingdom getting a pass? If it's under 30 FPS, Lawrence, why does it get a pass? I mean, yeah, if you look at the math of it, right? <laughs> Redfall, 30 FPS, bad. Zelda, 30 FPS, boom. <laughs> it's not the same, right? It's not. Test Car, writing for the gamer, says, you know, it's an apples and oranges comparison because it's not a first-person shooter like Redfall. Tears of the Kingdom is a gigantic game running on old hardware, and Redfall is a more linear shooter on a very powerful current-gen console or also on PC. Other critics like Ben Borthwick for Video Gamer argue that Tears of the Kingdom proves the graphics really don't matter because its gameplay and building mechanics are so fun. That's exactly right. Uh, still, though, the vast majority of user reviews were positive. Leviak wrote on Metacritic that it's the game of the year, calling it, quote, the perfect game with loads of mechanics and incredible creativity. While performance issues might bug some players, the fact that it's now the fastest selling game in the history of the franchise proves that for most people, it's really not a deal killer. No, it's a uh, it is a practically perfect video game. Now, I, I do have the frame drops. Occasionally I get some, you know, muddy textures like that viewer said it don't fucking matter the game is just so much fun to play it's so much fun to see what you can do in this magical world that literally no one else has ever created on a video game ever it is a completely unique experience that i don't know i don't i to me this is like to me hilariously it's next gen but it's on the oldest hardware you can imagine i i really is there's some witchcraft in that development. It's unbelievable. It does have more of a next-gen feeling than anything I've played in the last couple of years. I guess the Demon Souls remake looked really good. And Elden Ring just kind of had that take-your-breath-away expansiveness to it. Uh, pun partially intended. But Tears of the Kingdom's got it all. It's It's got that expansive open world that kind of blows your mind once you slowly start understanding how huge it is. But then even just the possibility space of what you can do in a small room with like two or three things is also huge. There's a universe in every room based on how people move around in it. So it's it's funny you mentioned the, uh, the, t the technical wizardry going on because that 
that's kind of a larger topic about how Nintendo's dev studios have been there for 40 years. Uh, because Japanese work culture is a little bit different than ours, but Nintendo hires for life. So they've cultivated t- t- a technical ability in that team that is world-class. And that only happens when you don't lay off all your employees after you ship a game. So uh, that's that's an interesting thing, is that the same team has basically been making Zelda since it started. And that's, a, that's very rare in games. But it has made Tears of the Kingdom that sort of late console experience that you didn't think was possible five years ago. Remember how like like PS2 games or Xbox games, the ones that came out at the end of the life cycle looked so different than the ones at the beginning because some technical expertise had been gained over time. It's fun to see that again manifested in Tears of the Kingdom because boy, does it, not, it doesn't feel like that anywhere else. No. It feels like every game is a technical reset button. Yeah, it's really, it's, I, I don't know how to recommend this game more. I, I like, it's like one of those things where like, I, I don't know if you remember playing Half-Life 2. Half-Life 2, the physics in that game were otherworldly. It was like, how did they do this? It was the same with Half-Life Alex, where everything you could interact with when you were playing in a VR. That this that's what this game feels like to me, where uh everything in the game works like you think it would in real life. Like if you drop something or if you move something or if like one of your abilities hits it specifically, it looks like it would work in real life. I don't know how they did it. I it's unbelievable. It really is. And it doesn't crash. Things don't like and then fire into space. Like it has none of the Gary's mod weirdness, even though it essentially is Gary's mod with Zelda. Yeah. It's got none of the Bethesda jank. Not at all. I'm I'm running it at 60 FPS on an emulator, and even then it's still extremely rock solid. Like you gotta pick at it real hard to find any any part where the game starts to get a little weird. So uh, Yeah. yeah, I don't know how they did it. God bless them. To think about that running on a switch is is really mind blowing. And also Gets yeah. me more excited for the future when Nintendo will finally release some kind of upgraded hardware so that people can see <laughs> Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom in, in high resolution, high frame rate, because it is it is a revelation. Oh, my God. It is. You're right. I played it emulated, a Breath of the Wild emulated, and it's just, it, it is unbelievable. Um, hey, here are some patrons that support the Inside Games Patreon that actually fight review bombing with every ounce of their being. They hate it because it's stupid. Uh, not Gak, Sean McLaughlin, Tully Monochrome, Lenny Neves, and Mark Fletcher. Thank you for doing the Lord's work. Mm, I got some patrons that were brought into being by these review bombing fighters. <laughs> these review bomber jokers emerged from the darkness, Bruce. <laughs> Whenever there's a fighter, a review, a review bomber will emerge. It's just how it goes. Jonathan Lenowski, Tito007, Brown Sugar, Aaron Frace, and Spirit Bear are out there on the street. Spirit Bear actually kind of sounds like a Batman villain. Like one that gets put away in about a week. <laughs> uh, certain patron tiers get access to ad-free episodes and bonus podcasts. That's why we talk about it. We also have a weekly uh, patron-exclusive gamer comic satirizing current goings-on in the community. This week's comic is uh, The Legend of Gary's Gelda. <laughs> Pretty fitting, because much like Gary's Mon, I did accidentally invent a rolling Geneva Convention violator that may have killed a horse or two. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was bad, Bruce. It was bad. There was a lot of fire. It happens. The horse got hit with fire and then it ran and then the whole thing started rotating around and setting everything on fire. <laughs> yeah, be careful with that. Be careful with the flamethrowers. No force. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Stop. You've got to stop though. <laughs> Please survive. Oh no. 